Hello, everybody, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Toddcast Show. My name is Todd Bura, your host, and I'm so excited to set out on this podcast journey with all of you. You can catch new episodes on Wednesday mornings at midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, and for playback anytime you like on your computer or smart device via our website at toddcastshow.com. We're still adding the show to directories, and soon you'll be able to tune in via your favorite podcast listening platform like iTunes, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Deezer, and others. Be sure to stay tuned for the updates. Now let's get on with the show. So today I'm going to do another one-on-one with you, the listener, and it's been weighing on my heart a lot to speak to you about parenting. And in my own experience, um, some of the things, you know, from being from a single parent family, and uh, some of the things I was blessed to get having met my father again later in life. Um, But in terms of society and how people behave and conduct themselves, I think a lot of what's learned comes from parenting. Of course, we learn from our parents, right? From the time we're born. We take these cues and follow their lead and we trust them to protect us. Parents are everything, and uh, without them, none of us would really have made it. You know, we needed someone to protect us and feed us, and I mean, babies don't go to grocery stores on their own, but parents are really, really special, and, you know, I don't have kids myself, um, you know, but if I did, I can only imagine how much I would worry about them all the time. Um, But for those of you that do, you know, my hats off to you. You know, it's quite a responsibility, and you're really adding a lot to the world, bringing children into it. Um, but for me, I think about how parenting impacts the lives of others and those around them through the behavior of the child, now adult. Um, so the things that we learn early on in life typically carry on into adulthood. So. You know, if we're raised as a good person, we'll probably not end up in jail. And we won't steal, and we won't lie or cheat. You know, but if we were raised to, you know, to win at all costs, let's say, then, you know, that person might have been taught to cheat or lie or manipulate the situation to their benefit. It all comes down to what you've learned, you know, and... uh Where else are you going to learn? Social media, television. Parents are really ultimately the controllers of the message. And they can choose how they want to do it, for better or worse, depending upon what type of people they are, I suppose. But it really seems to vary. Um, So I'm always trying to figure out why people are so different in different ways. And how different generations are and things like that. I'm fascinated by things like that. And I think back to my own parenting from my mother and my father. And, uh, you know, I thought it might be kind of fun to talk about it and share a little bit of some experiences and memories that I have and lessons that I've learned from both my mother and my father. I'm going to try to keep my grandparents out of this, which is really difficult because, quite frankly, they were more like my parents than my own parents. And they, uh, God rest their souls. They were amazing people, just amazing people. So there will definitely be another episode dedicated to them. Uh, but for now, I just wanted to talk about my mom and dad and also, of course, our other moms and dads out there in the context of parenting and what it means, the impact it has the lasting effect it will have, not just in your life, but on the lives of everybody that child touches. It's pretty powerful. And one of the things that I am so thankful for, for whatever the reason, um, of my three brothers, I seem to be the one that really cares about truth and justice. Just kind of ironic. My middle brother was a police academy explorer, 
once upon a time he was going to be a cop. But certain things changed that. Now he's a pilot. And then my oldest half-brother, um, he's retired now, but he went into college to be an architect and ended up becoming an executive and king in Levi Strauss. So, you know, good for them. But between the three of us, except for my oldest half-brother, my, my brother and I had the same father and the same mother, but we're so incredibly different. And it really is quite striking. Um, I noticed through the years a few times that my middle brother doesn't remember things the way that I do. And it really kind of caught me at first because I was young and didn't really understand the potential of what that meant. But I, I distinctly remember certain things that I've brought up or mentioned when my brother and I, you know, used to be connected. And, and he would straight up deny, deny that it ever happened. And I know that I remembered the experience happening exactly the way that I remember it. So, you know, for someone to tell me that it didn't really happen like that, um, you know, is uh, confusing, to say the least, for a younger person especially. And then my oldest brother, well, I'm not even going to go there, man, but... Yeah, yeah, fairness is not his strong suit, let's just say that. Um, but I am constantly reminded, because of my lack of family, you know, that I'm on my own in the world, but at least I have good values to take out and share. And I'm not going to cheat someone, I'm not going to hurt them, you know, unless it's in self-defense or something like that. I don't have an agenda that takes away from other people. And I believe that I learned that from the values that my mom taught me. And, uh, you know, we might not be the best of friends these days at all. I will say that my mother is responsible for some of the greatest attributes that I have. And I'm very proud of that. You know, I'm proud to be an honest person. You know, I'm proud to prioritize other people. And I'm proud to be, you know, a bit of an empath towards others. You know, I'm proud to have the patience to wait. And not be one of those people that needs to be first. And I think all of those things came from my mother. And uh, from an early... From the earliest memories of childhood, you know, I do remember lessons that she taught me and they always stuck with me. And to me, it always seemed to mean the most, you know, it's, it was always my thought growing up that as long as I followed these lessons and stuck true to, you know, my truth and lived by these values without compromise, that everything in life would just work out. You know what I mean? Like, it just, that's what I thought. You know, it wasn't the case, but nonetheless, um, you know, just having that sense of uh, knowing that, you know, I'm not a criminal. Um, I'm not the person that you have to worry about. You know what I mean? I like that. And there's a lot of people out there that can't say that. You know, they're proud to be the, the criminal. And you know, to trick you or whatever. And uh, that's just pretty crazy stuff, you know? And I don't get it, you know? I'm not sure what types of parents a person has that enables someone to go and hurt someone else or kill them or any number of other things, uh, rob them, you know, hit them for no reason. I mean, it's crazy, but it's on social media almost every day, people doing stuff like this. And, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't learn to operate like that. So how did that other person get those things in their brain that made it possible for them to go out and harm other people and lie and cheat and steal? Wow, I don't know. But, I mean, maybe I'll get a chance to interview somebody that can explain it to us. But, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I do have to be really grateful and... Um, you know, the, the things that I can't change in myself and wouldn't if I could, 
you know, and those are my values and beliefs and, you know, systems of operation in life, you know. For me, it's more important to be present and truthful, even accountable when the situation calls for it. But, you know, the reality is I don't do anything wrong, so I don't get into any trouble. And uh, that's because of my values. And so, you know, thank you to my mother. She'll probably never hear this, but I'm really grateful for that. And that's something that I'll always cherish. And till the day I die will always be a part of me that I'll forever be thanking you for in my heart. And, uh, you know, that's uh, something I think that all parents should hear. I would like to think that parents get to hear their children saying, hey, thanks for teaching me to be the right kind of person. You know, that that's good. Now, I will say, though, in my situation, my mother took a left turn, and I do mean left, and I do mean turn, and it was fast. And uh, our entire, what was left of our small little family, after everybody else had perished, um, you know, she literally single-handedly destroyed our family between her and my oldest brother and my middle brother for that matter. It's crazy. I'm telling you, like, my family life is awful, just awful. Um, but when I think of it, you know, I can still be grateful for the things in childhood because that's before the bad stuff started. You know, that was before all the harsh realities of adulthood and realizations of false perceptions that I had and being mature enough to see through all the lies that I was told all of the gaslighting that took place man like why didn't they do all that stuff when I was a kid I would have believed it you know but they waited till I was older and once I started seeing what was going on you know I started asking questions, and that was the end of it. Uh, it's really strange to me, you know, my two brothers, same mother, you know, completely different values, don't understand, you know, they're not even willing to talk or be accountable for any of their behavior. Um, the truth is unbelievable and awful, and I can't talk about it on this podcast. It shocks me to no end that I came from the same womb that these two other people did and we are so diametrically different and really opposite you know um, I still get sad thinking about family a lot and I'm a hundred percent sure that these people are just glad that I'm gone no more questions you know and I don't really have to explain what it means when someone has a question and it gets refused, you know. It's pretty simple psychology to understand that. You don't need to be a neuro-linguistic programming expert to understand, you know, what that means. But I found out, I found out the hard way. So, that's that. Um, it's weird how things change. And uh, I told you I wasn't going to speak about my grandparents, but I am going to mention, you know, my mother's an only child. And perhaps that's a big part of the problem, but her parenting was stellar. I mean, she had help her entire life. She had loving, attentive parents that cared more about her than they did themselves. And that was the example they set for her. That was the example they set for me, and I was the only one in the family to follow it. And that got me kicked out of my own family. So, you know, um, I know it could be worse, but if you think your situation sucks, maybe it does, but I live with this pain every day, and it is terrible. So let's get on to a more positive subject. My father, my father, oh boy, thank God. Um, he sure made up for some things. Um, I was born to a whole family. My mom and uh, dad were married. 
And by the time I was 18 months old, thereabouts, from what I understand, they got divorced. And then we moved from Virginia to um, Scottsdale, Arizona, actually, not too terribly far from where I am now. At the time, my dad was finishing up his career in the Army as a jazz band leader. He was a jazz band leader in something called the Army Jazz Showmobile, and I guess that was a thing back in the day at Fort Eustis, Virginia. Um, that's where he used to be based, and um, my family originated there, I guess. Me and, uh, you know, I originated there <laughs> in Virginia. That's where they made me. Uh, made in Virginia. So, my father was not around much. They got divorced. He was gone. I didn't even know who he was or what he looked like until around the age of 11. And I remember my mother tricked him into coming back. I don't know how she found him, but somehow she found him. He was in Redlands. We were living in Irvine at the time. And uh, she found him and told him that my older brother, my middle brother, was in trouble with the police, which is, you know, quite a crock of shit because he was a police explorer. And uh, he wasn't in trouble with the police. He was learning to become a police. <laughs> so, big difference. But anyway, it tricked my father into coming back, and she did it for me. And I do remember the day that she made that decision, actually. It's really strange how we remember certain flashes of childhood. And um, I'm going to share one of those memories with you right now. So I remember one day I was nine or ten, you know, close to eleven anyway. And I remember asking my mom, you know, do I have a dad? And she looked at me and we were driving. I think she was taking me to school. And uh, she said, yes, you have a dad. And I said, well, where is he, you know? And doesn't he love me? And why don't I ever see him? And I'm only guessing that that must have touched her heart. And she realized that it was better for me to have an interaction with my father than for him not to be a part of my life. So thank you for making that decision. That was a good decision for me. And um, so anyway, one day I remember coming home from school and I was about 11. I remember that I was 11 because that was the age when I started smoking marijuana. <laughs> And uh, I was taking Ritalin for hyperactivity until one day the high school kids started trading me for my pot or for pot. So I got pot, they got Ritalin, everybody's happy. I got to be relaxed. It was cool. So my father showed up after that time. And um, one day I remember walking into our apartment and seeing this guy sitting on the couch. I still have a picture of it. Um, maybe I'll post it on my website so that you can see it, but uh, my father was a beatnik and a very interesting cat. And the first time I ever saw him, he was wearing, uh, <laughs> wearing bell-bottom jeans with flowers embroidered in them, and he was wearing a really cool-looking kind of denim top with flowers, you know, like sewn into them. Uh, he was an interesting dude. He had a big white beard and, you know, older, skinny, tall guy. And I didn't know who the hell he was. I remember walking in the house and seeing him sitting there. And I was like, Mother, who's that? And uh, she said, it's your father. And I was like, what? And so, wow, you know, it was the first time in my life I got to see my dad. And that was a really, really big deal. And... Um, Honestly, my father really gave me a lot that my mother couldn't, and I'm so grateful that he was a part of my life, but it all started that day, and, you know, to me, he looked a little weird because I had never seen anybody like that. He drove an old, funky country squire station wagon. I'll never forget. <laughs> this funky, old, kind of green, almost looked like the Brady Bunch station wagon. It was that kind of car, but it was full of cigarette butts and trash and empty coffee containers. He was a free spirit, you know. He didn't care about stuff like that. But So this day, when I was around, I was 11. It was somewhere in my 11th year of life. Um, you know, my mom went to bed, and my father and I, 
you know, I was young and hyperactive, mind you, and he had never been around that, so this was like, probably my mom was having a good giggle about that. As she went to bed, she's like, oh yeah, motherfucker, have fun. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So that night, um, I'll never forget this, but it was really cool. It, it was one of the more positive memories of having a really special connection with my father but it was also the first so on this first night that he was there I think you know I normally went to bed at the time you know 10 o'clock at night maybe 9 or 10 that's when I normally went to bed right and uh, maybe 11 I don't know but I remember back in those days my mom let me stay up an extra hour for every year that I was alive. So every birthday I got an hour extension on my TV time at night, which was kind of a cool little thing. And she was really smart to do that. That was very clever. It worked. So on this particular night, I just wouldn't go to sleep. I wanted to get to know my dad and I was talking his ear off and blah, blah, blah. We were having all kinds of fun just hanging out. And that was it, you know? It wasn't anything weird or anything like that. But then, out of nowhere, he, he was so matter-of-fact about it. He said, son, he goes, I beg your pardon, but I need you to excuse me. I'm gonna go outside on the porch and smoke a joint right now. You're welcome to come with me if you'd like to. <laughs> and holy crap, man, I grinned from ear to ear because I had already started smoking at the time. Of course I went out on the porch and smoked the joint with him. And that was the beginning of a bond that, honestly, I would never be the same without. You know, that, that bond that we had is responsible for a lot of my maturity and spiritual awareness and self-regulation and um, a bunch of different stuff. I'll get into that in a moment. but. So we went out on the porch and smoked that joint, right? And uh, it was great, and we had a really good time. And so next thing you know, we're down at the hot tub in the apartment complex at like 2 in the morning. And uh, me and my dad, and I had never been down, I never even get to go out that late, you know? So like going to the hot tub with my dad was really, really cool. And we had a really good time that night. We stayed up almost all night just talking and joking. It was really, 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 really special for me. And uh, to be honest, you know, I miss him quite a bit. But I have to be thankful for the time that we did have. And uh, so that, that day, you know, was the beginning of my relationship with my father. And it worked out great. You know, he ended up uh, coming to live nearby and got a job nearby so he could be part of my life and he was a solid part of my life for gosh five years something like that until I got into high school and then somewhere in high school he's like you know you don't really need me right now I'm gonna go back to Florida because he was born in in um, Lakeland I always want to say Mulberry, but it's Lakeland, Florida. He was born and he died in Lakeland, Florida, too. And that's crazy. He was born and died in the same place. But so he left to go back to Florida. And I was going through high school and having a good time and doing my thing, you know. But I really missed my dad. And so when, um, you know, when it came time to graduate, I decided to go and live with him in Florida and that was a really great decision because it was the first and only time I had really ever moved out on my own but I also was getting to you know have a really cool bond with my father and continue that relationship that we started years past so I moved to Florida and I remember um, you know the experience getting there um, that's a great story in itself. Maybe I should tell it really quick. Yeah, I guess it's story time. Um, so I'm just getting out of high school. I was working at this place called Godfather's Pizza. I was a delivery driver at the time. And I had made plans to go to Florida on a Monday. And I think my last day at that job was on a Friday. 
just preceding the Monday that I was planning to leave. I was planning to drive all the way across the country by myself. I had never done that before. I was super scared. I was only like 18, so I was nervous. So the very last, this is the crazy thing about how life works sometimes. The very last delivery that I had that day was to a law office. In that law office, I had been in maybe a dozen times before. It was a really neat old building and I always liked the architecture and that particular day I commented on the fact that I won't be seeing it anymore and that I'll miss it, you know. I like coming to your office, it's really cool and, you know, um, and they're like, oh, where are you going? So I'm moving to Florida. Oh, really? Oh, okay. And so I started talking to the lady in the front about it and then some other lady came out and it was a fairly attractive Asian woman, very attractive actually, and she came out and paid me and I'd never met her before, and she was like one of the lead attorneys or something like that, an older lady. <laughs> so I told her I was going to Florida, and she goes, oh, really, whereabouts? And I was like, oh, I'm going to Orlando. And she goes, really, I need to go to Jacksonville. And I'm like, what, are you kidding? Um, do you want to go with me? I'm leaving on Monday, and I'd love to have somebody to help me drive. And I don't know how it worked out, but like I went from like the last delivery to... Um, taking this lady out the next day, I took her out somewhere to dinner, and then I took her to a movie so we could make sure we were comfortable together, and then took her to meet my grandparents and my mom, who I lived with at the, at the time. And it was fun telling them, yeah, I'm going to take this Asian lady with me across the country. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine what they were thinking, but they were right. They were so right. <laughs> so this lady liked me, and... Um, agreed to go with me so I went and picked her up on Monday morning at her house and she had her you know little suitcase and a couple of things and I had all of my stuff packed in the car and I think I might have even been pulling a trailer um, and so you know we get in the car and we start driving and we made it mm, right about to the Nevada line or Arizona do you pass through Nevada that part no 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 we were on the 10 so it was, I believe, Arizona, but we were just getting ready to leave California. Yeah, I think it was getting into Arizona. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm a high school kid, remember? And um, I was like, hey, I just uh, wanted to let you know that I don't want you to be uncomfortable or anything, but I'm, I'm going to be smoking a little bit of pot while we're driving. <laughs> I told her. And she's like, oh, marijuana. She goes, I haven't smoked pot in like 20 years. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, you know, no problem. Didn't think anything of it. So we're driving along and everything's great. And so I would stop every now and then and do my little pit stop. And, uh, you know, she would get hungry. It was pretty funny and cute all at the same time, even for a young guy like me at the time. <laughs> She'd say, oh, I'm so hungry, I need to eat. <laughs> And so every time I would stop, it would be followed by her having a little snack. And so we made it to Fort Stockton, Texas. We made it all the way from San Diego to Fort Stockton, Texas. And uh, that was cool. And we found a little motel there and got two beds and everything. And we went in the room and, you know, got unpacked. I'm sitting there doing my thing, smoking, of course. I was a young stoner. And uh, she got out of the shower and came over and asked for lotion to be put on her back and I'm not saying another word but all I'm going to tell you is that we had the greatest time ever. Five days it took <laughs> getting across that country but um, it was totally awesome. What a great experience. What a great experience. So you know you just never know. You just never know um, what's going to happen. So I ended up dropping her off in Jacksonville. Uh, really late at night. We made it there at like midnight or something and I remember driving to Orlando from there and there was some really great jazz music playing on the radio and I was listening to that. So excited about seeing my father again and oh man it was great. And I remember getting to my dad's place. It was an apartment up on the top floor of some building somewhere and um, he was always like a maintenance engineer so Wherever he lived, he was always the guy that was the leader of fixing everything. And he was 
like a magician, like the Chris Angel of mechanical engineering. He could do things that other people couldn't understand. And it was really neat to watch him work because he had a gift and it was significant. Like he could literally walk in after a team of people have been there trying to fix the problem and hit the thing in the right spot and make it work. Like he was that kind of guy, like the Fonz almost. He really was amazing. So I finally got to his apartment. It was late at night. You know, we had a nice little welcome home smoke session and that was the beginning of um well the rest of our lives together because you know um i mean a long story short i ended up uh spending mm, i guess about three two three years there in orlando and um i i don't know what it was like i must have been crazy to think this but I was jonesing for California so much because of the mountains and the beach and stuff and I had a really good life in Orlando. Like I had friends, I had a really amazing girlfriend, she was the one that got away. It was definitely the one that got away. Such a shame. But I left it all to go back to California. And then so he ended up moving to California for a while again, my father. And we ended up spending time together there again. We lived together for another year or whatever it was, two years. And then he ended up going back to Florida. But um, what I'm driving at is that the experience with my father really filled in some gaps that I don't think would have been possible. I mean, even if my mother had a book like that explained step by step how to tell me you know, from a father's perspective, there's no way she could pull that off. She's she's a mother, right? And uh, this is way before the times of people pretending to be whatever they want. Um, this is when mothers were mothers and fathers were fathers, all right? So let's just keep that straight. Um, so there was no identifying as anything. People were people, period. Um, but my father taught me about metaphysics and that was the most important lesson I think I've been carrying through my life and it's come in handy in so many different ways and uh, I believe in divine protection. I've seen it happen right up close and personal in my own life. There are at least three or four times that terrible things should have happened to me and I've, I've been shot at, I've been attacked, I've had some bad things happen here and there, but somehow or another, honestly, I feel like God just opened the door and said, go. And I just got to walk right through it. And I think that that has a lot to do with the metaphysical teachings of my father. To give you an example, and this is a true story, so um, feel free to comment on it, but it's absolutely true. Uh, my grandmother confirmed it, and before my grandmother died, if she confirmed anything, you'd know it was true. That's how you knew. If she said it was true, then it's true, and it was true, but apparently just before I was born, somewhere in 1970 or 71, I was born in December, um, my father apparently had a tumor on his lungs, and uh, it was a big one, like the size of a golf ball, and he smoked like a chimney, and uh, he was in the Korean War, he fought for our country, God bless him. But he smoked like a chimney, man. Like, when I lived with him, he'd smoke two or three packs a day. Like, I don't know how he did it, but he did. And uh, so he had, um, you know, a really serious medical issue that could have killed him. And so apparently, as the story goes, and I've heard this story a few different ways, and I do believe it to be true, especially after the other things that I saw my father do while living with him. So, um... Apparently, the day before, when he was, you know, admitted to the hospital, they did x-rays and it showed his lung, and sure enough, there was a tumor on it. And, uh, you know, that's a no-no. So they're like, we have to operate, you know, we're going to prepare you in the morning for surgery, and you're going in to be operated on. And, you know, one thing I learned about my dad is he does not like doctors. He never saw the need for doctors. And... You know, with the exception of a few things, he didn't seem to need doctors. But in this case, um, I think you'll understand why he felt that way. So the day before, it's there on the x-ray. 
plain as day. The morning of the operation, they came in to get him, and he said, no, you're not taking me anywhere. We're not going in there, and you're not operating on me because the tumor is gone. And the guy laughed. You know, the doctor thought that was kind of funny. And my dad was pretty matter-of-fact when he wanted to be, and he said, no, you need to do another X-ray because I'm not going in there until you look on the x-ray and see the tumor. So after enough back and forth, they agreed to x-ray him again. So they did, and apparently that caused quite the commotion in the hospital. So one doctor turned into three, turned into six, turned into a dozen. They're all standing around in amazement looking at these x-rays. On the left, the tumor yesterday Right there, clearly visible. This morning, the morning of the operation, not there at all, completely gone. Don't know where it went, but it wasn't there. And so the doctors, in all of their amazement, had no choice but to let him go. So he, <laughs> so the funny part of the story is apparently he, he called my house and my grandmother answered the phone. <laughs> And she thought he was calling from beyond the dead. <laughs> oh, you'd have to know my grandmother to see why that's so funny, but that just sounds hilarious. Um, so they came and picked him up and took him home, and that was that. So, you know, that's the man that was my father. He, um, he was a great man. He, he played jazz with some of the greatest musicians of our time. Uh, Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, Thelonious Monk, Wayne Shorter... Gary Burton, who I met in person with him, and a bunch of others. They were all friends of his at one point in time, and he used to hang out with them and jam and smoke and drink and whatnot in the clubs after hours in the Pocono Mountains. He was he was at the top of the game in the jazz scene. He was amazing. And uh, I don't really know what happened, but by the time I got to him, he wasn't playing music anymore. He was just doing little goofy things with MIDI keyboards, but nothing else. Um, but he had a Commodore 64 he was doing it on, and that was pretty interesting. Um, so anyway, back to my father and, and what he brought to my life. So, you know, knowing about his musical past, of course, I became interested in music, and that led me to play bass. Um, I played around with his keyboards a lot, but I could never really get music theory um, so it didn't really stick, but I had fun goofing around with his equipment and he had a drum machine and that was really cool. I got to play with that a lot. Um, and that's kind of how that started. But when it came to the evenings and that was my favorite time of day, because every evening my father and I would sit down and eat, we'd smoke and we'd hang out and talk and we'd talk for hours. It was so cool. No television. There was a television sitting right over there that worked perfectly, but we didn't turn it on because we didn't need it. You know, we listened to the radio. It was a jazz station that's um, probably still there in Orlando, the Winter Park area called WLOQ Jazz. I forget the number, but it was something. WLOQ FM Winter Park Orlando. Blah 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 blah. Great jazz music. Those were the days. They played some really great late night jazz in the mid 90s. It was about the time I was there. And um, so my father and I would discuss different things, but it would always be in some kind of way where I could learn something. And he was really good about that. So, like, he would always teach me something even though he'd have stories and a little bit of embellishment here and there to make it a little spicy and interesting. Um, but he would always teach me something. And that really stuck with me. And I could feel the love, you know, and um, the things that he gave to me through those experiences are so built into my nature that, you know, I really kind of struggle to describe them, but they're there, and they're just part of who I am, and I'm grateful for that. I would say that my father came in at just the right time to help my life stay on the right path. I would never have considered a life of criminality or anything like that. That just was never in my nature, but he taught me how to look at things from a spiritual perspective, 
and to see life as something that is not only joyful, but um, something we have more control over than a lot of people think. So one of the examples I was looking for comes to mind now. Um, when I was living with him in Florida, we needed a car for me. He had a car, but I needed a car because it was time for me to go get a job and, you know, go off into the world and do my thing. And so we didn't know where we were going to get a car. There was no internet back then. Christ, we didn't even have cell phones. He had a pager. That's how long ago that was. This was early on in my living with him, actually. I'm just kind of bouncing around. Um, he said, son, I'm going to show you something, and I want you to remember how this works. And I want you to understand that you can do this at any time, and I'm going to tell you how once it happens. And he said, you need a car, right? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, we need the right car, though, don't we? And I said, yeah. And we need it to be for the right price, right? Because he was the only one with money. I didn't have a job, so he was paying for the car. And I said, of course. And, and we need it now, right? And I said, of course, yes. He goes, okay. He goes, son, I'm telling you right now that your car is not only on the way, but it'll be here in just a few days. And I'm like, huh? And he goes, just watch, wait and see. And so, you know, I was very intrigued by this. I'm like, well, what the hell is he talking about, you know? And so sure enough, it wasn't but just, gosh, I don't remember the exact days, but it was, it was within a week, maybe just a couple days, but it was, it was definitely within a week, I remember that. He came home for lunch one day and uh, he goes, son, uh, I found your car. And I'm like, huh? And he goes, yeah, would you like to see it? And I said, well, shit, of course. I was so excited. Are you kidding? Yes, I want to, I want to marry it. I don't want to just see it. I want to make love to it, or at least in it. Um, but remember, I was younger back then. Um, <clears throat> so <laughs> we went out on the porch, and he pointed right over to the car that we had. I mean, it had been there for long time and uh, the person drove it to and from work it was right outside our apartment the whole time he goes there it is and it was like two spots away from our apartment and I'm like what and he goes yep um, I just he, he had a maintenance call in an apartment where the lady was a teacher or some kind of administrator at a school or something like that and she was moving and she wanted to sell her car and she sold it to him for half of the blue book value um, amazing. So there it was. And that was the first example he set for me about how the law of attraction works and how we can really draw circumstances to ourselves or us to the circumstances or, you know, bring those two things together in some way um, outside of logical thought. You know, this, this really caught me off guard and especially as a younger person it really captivated my imagination you know geez if it works like that you could do anything right and so I started to practice things like um, you know I used to read a lot of books by Richard Bach I still got them all right here um, but one of the books um, that I really liked of his is called Illusions and it's a pretty cool book and uh, then Bridge Across Forever and One and there's just a lot of good stuff in there. But somehow or another, that and reading some Don Quixote and Carlos Castaneda um, got me thinking about, like, you know, touching pine tree needles to collect energy and to feel the energy transference from the tree to my body, which I did, and it's real. If you've never done it, go find a pine tree right now. Go out to the pine tree, close your eyes, Touch the tips of the pine needles with your hands and sit there and relax. And you tell me you don't feel something. I couldn't believe it. But anyway, that was one of my first things. And then the other thing was cloud vaporization. So my uh, father and somebody else that I was reading about was mentioning something about this. And my father especially is like, you know what? He said, you might not believe this, but you can make clouds disappear with your thoughts. And I was like, what? Clouds disappear? Come on, man. 
And so, you know, maybe you just sit around and wait long enough. I don't know, but he got me into thinking about that. So I was like sitting out there, laying by the, you know, little pond and looking up at the clouds. And uh, the trick was to remove it from your mind. And that was the key. And, uh, you know, whether it's my imagination or not, I don't know. But I saw more than one cloud disappear, I can tell you that. And speaking of which, I almost forgot. Back to the lesson, um, I mentioned that my father was going to tell me why it worked the way that it did with the car um, attraction. He told me that if you can focus yourself into the space of already having received the gift that you're looking to receive or something that you need or even want in that case, but especially things that you need, you can ask the universe for that. But it's very important that you see yourself as already having it. So in his mind, when he told me about it, he already had the car. Like in his mind, it was already done. And my lesson was, wow, so if I focus in this way, then I can have an impact on the circumstances of my life. That is pretty amazing. And so that one lesson there, of course, spawned into many, many others. And so many dinners with really fun people, great times sharing and just laughing and having a good time. But, you know, um, without my dad, I just don't even know who I'd be today. So, you know, for any fathers that are out there, don't underestimate your importance to your children. You know, I'm sure girls feel the same way that boys do, but, you know, dads are really important because they provide something that balances us out as children and I'm grateful for that very grateful um, you know it's um, really a shame that my father's not alive today because there's a lot of things that he would really enjoy but you know his time was through uh, many years ago and you know he'll never really get to see some of this stuff but if I could just tell him one thing, I think it would be thank you. I just really thank him and his life for, you know, making an effort to really be there as a solid role model and a man in a young boy's life who needed a man in his life. So, you know, God rest his soul, but thank you, Dad. So, I guess to wrap this up, it's about time, right? It's been a while. Um, without our parents, I'd be so lost. If we were just sitting in a room by ourselves and we were never given any attention or any interaction, no love or affection for the first few years of our life, we would probably have some very disturbing trauma and experiences from that. But the child that gets the love and attention and the proper direction and guidance, protection and admiration, you know, is going to grow up to be a healthy-minded individual and, you know, maintain their values and whatnot. So, you know, it's up to you, parents. What are you going to do? Um, I trade to be a parent of a millennial, I can tell you that. Like... The things that I've seen of that generation, wow, I've got questions, but I'm not from that generation. Uh, I wouldn't mind skipping back a couple and being born two generations ago. That would be kind of cool, but that's not how it is. I didn't ask to be born, but here I am. So I guess ultimately this is just a message about how parents are so important in our lives. and. You know, the things that they do, they might not even realize, have incredible lasting value. You know, things that I didn't remember tonight, I will remember later and want to come back and talk about, but, you know, that's what I get for winging it. I like to wing it, so here we are. The bottom line is, I'll never, ever undervalue the benefit that that has had in my life, and I'm really grateful for it. I think the next time I talk about this, it's going to need to be my grandparents.
because they were the one example that lived true until the day they died. Like they were, they were never, ever, ever wavering on truth, Christian love, you know, supporting the family. They were real and very dedicated to that. Their entire lives were dedicated to our family. And after all that, the remaining three people that are alive in my family got together and destroyed what was left. That's the crazy irony of the whole thing. So the very same person that I learned some of these things from that I'm so proud of as an individual doesn't even know that I have those qualities. My own mother is so out of touch and completely tuned out of my life that she doesn't even know that I'm a good person. It's really sad and it hurts me to even think about. It's awful. Parents, don't ever turn your backs on your children because it will scar them for life. And uh, no matter how much counseling I go through, no matter what I try to fix it, this ain't going away. And um, I really wished it would, to be honest with you. I don't need to deal with this stuff. But that's what happens, you know. Um, sometimes people make terrible choices, and those terrible choices have an impact on other people's lives. It's too bad they don't care about the impact or the lasting effects, you know. That's a shame, but it is what it is. So we'll just uh, leave it at that and just say, you know, can't fix everything. Uh, anyway... So that's that. I'm going to close now. Um, thank you for listening to me ramble on about this stuff. Uh, be a good parent. Love your kids. Set good examples. Represent truth, justice, patriotism, and love. Demonstrate those things because children learn and they will act out on those things that they learn, good, bad, or otherwise. So that's it for this evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection, so follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I have in store. Check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. Thank you very much for tuning in. See you over on the next episode.